Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis 28, 10 through 15. Hear the word of the Lord. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you all today. Uh, My name is Tyler, if I haven't met you yet, and I am very excited for the conversation that we are about to have regarding Jacob and his life, uh, the story that Sarah just read for us. But before we get there, uh, you have got to know one thing. And that thing is, I got my notes out of order and didn't put some between church. No, we're fine. Uh, That thing is that my parents and I have very different tastes in television. Uh, Very, very different tastes in television. So I don't know what you like to watch when you have some free time and downtime, but I love a gritty, dark drama. Uh, The darker, the better. So some of my favorites are like A Better Call Saul, uh, Criminal Minds, American Crime Story. Essentially, if there is a cover-up, Uh, If there is a scandal, if someone has gone missing, I am very interested uh, in that TV. But that is not what my parents enjoy. Uh, You go to my parents' house and you will find The Voice. Uh, They love The Voice. Uh, HGTV is just kind of like background filler. It feels like House Hunters is always on. Uh, They love this show called Doomsday Preppers, which is people preparing for like disasters. I mean, that's just like a John and Tanya Chernesky favorite. Uh, But they introduced me a few years ago to a show called Undercover Boss. Undercover Boss, have you seen, oh, there's nods. Oh, come on, okay. It was new to me. Uh, Is it Sunday nights on CBS, is that true? Okay, something like that. Uh, Undercover Boss, the premise is really simple. What happens is that a boss in a large organization, like a CEO or president, goes undercover as a rank and file member of their organization. Uh, The undercover boss leaves their regularly scheduled meetings and goes in disguise to a different sector of their company, uh, rubbing shoulders with folks, let's say maybe several rungs down on the corporate ladder. They learn what life is like for these workers. Now, I have to admit, uh, it is a pretty good show. This is a show in which we can agree. Um, At the end of each episode, as you know if you've seen it, there's always kind of like some grand reveal. They're like, hey, actually, you know, Bob in the warehouse isn't a new worker. He's the boss, you know? Uh, And then there's usually some kind of, I don't know, like special moment the boss has with someone in the company who's had a tough time in life. Like it is feel-good television. Uh, My dad and I are both criers. So if you watch Undercover Boss, you'll need tissues um, if you're anything like us, right? Yeah, they know how to produce tears. Undercover Boss, I think, is riveting television for one reason, and here's why. Someone who's not supposed to be somewhere shows up there. 
someone who's not supposed to be there, someone who no one expects to see, you know, running the forklift or in the warehouse or moving items on a warehouse floor, someone who's not supposed to be somewhere shows up there. I mean, it draws people in. Audiences have not been able to turn away. In fact, Undercover Boss is in its ninth season. It has more than 110 episodes. People are captivated by this premise. And I think the, the explanation is simple. It's because when someone we don't expect to be somewhere shows up there, uh, we want to know why. You know, we want to know more. We find ourselves interested and intrigued. And this morning, friends, we're going to see someone show up in a place where they are least expected. Now specifically, we're going to see God show up in Jacob's life at the moment Jacob expects to see God the least. And it is my prayer that our hearts and our minds will be drawn into the reality that God is often closer than we think, that he regularly shows up when and where we least expect it. Uh, so that truth, I think it changes everything, and I want us to see it in the text. So let's get our bearings first, and then we'll dive in to Jacob's story. So first, uh, we've been studying the book of Genesis for four months now, right? Four months, come on. Uh, that is a while, and we've learned so, so much in our journey through Genesis. We've learned about Adam and Eve. Uh, we learned about Cain and Abel. We've learned about Noah, about Abraham, about Sarah. And a few weeks ago, we were introduced to Isaac and Rebekah. So by way of refresher, Isaac is Abraham's son, Rebekah is Isaac's wife, and they have twin boys, Esau and Jacob, right? So Isaac, Rebekah, mom and dad, Esau, Jacob, brothers. And if you were with us last week, Gabe told us about a devastating moment in Esau's life where Esau made a hasty decision that had long, long impacts on his future and his legacy. You see, Esau was the oldest of the two twin brothers by, what would that be, minutes or seconds, right? He comes out just a little bit first. But in his culture, that was still enough for him to earn all the rights and privileges of the firstborn. So if you're a firstborn, there's a larger share of the inheritance. You have more rights. You have more responsibility. And Gabe showed us last week how Esau traded all that away for a bowl of stew. So, which, which is something that's very true. I survived in college on Dinty Moore stew. Uh, so it has a soft spot in my heart. But if you've ever made a hasty or short-sighted decision, that had long-lasting consequences, last week taught us that you are not alone. Indeed, I've been there. I made some big decisions. Esau made a big, hurried decision, and it had real consequences. He undervalued his status as the oldest child, and he sold all of it away for a fleeting meal, and he earned a, life, a, a lifetime of heartache and regret as a result. That's what we talked about last week. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and listen. But here's the thing. Last Sunday, we didn't really talk at all about Esau's brother, Jacob. We focused a lot on Esau, and it's true. Esau made a foolish decision that brought disastrous consequences. But even in last week's narrative, Esau's brother, Jacob, really isn't that much better. You know, I don't have any siblings. Uh, I'm an adopted only child, which probably explains so much. Uh, comes with blessings and neuroses. Uh, but I have no brothers. I have no sisters. But what I imagine, what I've heard from brothers and sisters, like I know they can fight sometimes. I know siblings can get into tiffs. But this idea of Jacob stealing what's most valuable to his brother in the whole world, 
right? Kind of calculated manipulation to take the thing that matters to his brother the most. I mean, that is just ice cold. You know, he goes for the jugular, and that's not all that he does to his brother. So he takes this birthright, he takes these privileges of the firstborn from his brother through the stew thing, right? He steals that, but he also steals at the end of his father's life, his father's blessing from his brother. So literally, here's the story if you don't know it. Uh, Jacob's dad and Esau's dad, Isaac, is on his deathbed and his eyesight's gone, right? He can't really see well. And so Jacob sneaks in and he lies right to his blind father's face and he's like, who are you? It's like, oh, I'm your oldest son Esau, give me your blessing. And he puts these like skins on his arm so he can be a little more hairy, right? And he's totally deceiving his dying father and he says, give me your blessing, give me your blessing. I mean, he's lying multiple times. And Jacob, does, uh, yeah, Isaac does it, the father, thank you. Isaac does it, right? And he steals the blessing from Esau right out from under him. Jacob is just a cheating deceiver. He knows what he wants and he'll do anything to get it. Well, of course, his brother Esau finds out and Esau gets mad. He gets really, really mad because his brother's taken now his birthright and his dying father's blessing. I mean, he keeps taking things that matter so much to Esau. And so Esau begins to plot to kill his brother. Right? He's making plans to end Jacob's life once and for all, and so Jacob runs away. He leaves his family, he leaves his dying father, leaves his mother, leaves the land and the inheritance that he swindled from his brother, leaves his friends, leaves it all behind, and he runs to the land of Haran. And that's where we find Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. So Genesis 28, it's on page 22 in our community Bibles. Would you join me there? We're going to be in verse 10. But the text says there, Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he fled from his hometown and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. So Jacob leaves his hometown and he's in a hurry, right? He's fleeing for his life. And so he travels as far as he can during that day. But then the sun starts to set and he's like, okay, I got to find a place to stay for the night. And it says that he came to a certain place. Now, this Hebrew description, a certain place, this is like a really polite way of saying that he showed up nowhere special. Uh, it's a polite way of saying, yeah, Jacob's landed in some no-name, out-of-the-way spot. You couldn't find it if you wanted. This is in the middle of Nowheresville. Uh, it actually reminded me of a lot of places I've been in Indiana. Uh, if you have driven, I mean, it's true in any state, but you drive an interstate, right? And you find like that exit that has maybe one gas station. And if you're lucky, right, a little Wendy's or something there that you can pull through. Uh, it's that kind of a place. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's not a lot around. There's no hotel. There's no place to rest. He's just in a certain no-name place. And so Jacob tries to get comfortable, the text says, by taking one of the stones of that place and he put it under his head to lay down in that place to sleep. So the author here is painting kind of a pathetic, sad picture of Jacob. You know, Jacob the liar, Jacob the deceiver, Jacob the cheater who's taken everything from his brother. He's run away from home now and he has burned every bridge and he's left the legacy of his family behind. And now he's alone in the middle of nowhere and he's trying to fall asleep with a rock as a pillow. Which tells me that he left in a hurry and didn't really think about what to pack. Because come on, man, travel pillow. <laughs> but it's in this moment of weakness and isolation. 
It's in this moment of regret and despair. It's in this moment of real guilt for real wrong. He has taken things from his brother and he knows it. It's in that moment that Jacob falls asleep. And the text tells us Jacob begins to dream. And he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth. And at the top of it, it reached to heaven. And below, the angels of God were ascending and descending on this ladder. And then at the top of the ladder, behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give you into your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, which means there's going to be a whole lot of them. And you shall spread out from the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So this should remind us of maybe the promises God made to Abraham, right? I'm going to do something special through your family. But then don't miss this. Then God says, and behold, Jacob, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. You see, at the moment that Jacob least expects it, after he's deceived his father and his brother, after he's stolen his brother's birthright and blessing, while he is on the run and as he sleeps with a rock as a pillow, God shows up. And Jacob encounters God. And remember, he's running away from his problems, from his mistakes, from his past. And it's possible, we don't know, but even from his faith, perhaps. He's leaving things behind. He is on the run, sleeping in the middle of nowhere, where God shows up in a dream and says, I am with you. Indeed, God makes two promises to Jacob. You see it first in verse 15. He says, I am with you. And that's in the present tense. So that's God saying, hey, here now, Jacob. You know, in the middle of Nowheresville, as you're just out on the run, I am, like, I'm present with you right now. Someone who you don't expect to be here, someone who's not supposed to be here, is here. I've showed up. I, I am with you. That's God's first declaration, his first promise. And the second is, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. See, God tells Jacob, I am with you, and I will be with you. Wherever you go, Wherever you decide to run, uh, when you least expect to encounter me, even after you've done the worst thing you can imagine, I am with you and I will be with you. I am right here. I am closer than you think. Even in the middle of nowhere, I am the God who is with you. Now, friends, did you know that the God of the Bible, the God of the Christian faith, did you know the God of the Bible is the with you God? That from the very beginning, the God who made the world and the God who sustains the world and the God who has acted decisively in history to redeem the world, that God is the, the with you God. Indeed, you can see it when you look through all the pages of Scripture. It's a promise that comes again and again. I'm with you. I'm with you. I am with you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he promises his people his presence. He is the with you God. Now, I want to make this case strongly, so we're going to walk through some of the promises. It's a promise that God makes to Abraham, and it's a promise that God makes to Isaac in Genesis 26. It's a promise God makes to Moses when God invites Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and Moses is like, oh man, that's intimidating, and God says, no, 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 I'm going to be with you. You'll know just what to say. You'll be able to do this. I am with you. It's the same promise that God makes to Joshua when Joshua is so nervous because now Moses is gone and I have to fill these big shoes and there's no way I can do it. And God says, no, 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 fear not. I am with you. 
It's a promise God makes to David. It's a promise God makes to Jeremiah. It's a promise God made to Mary. Indeed, when the angel shows up to Mary and says, hey, your whole life's about to change, but it's going to change the whole world too, Mary. I mean, what's the angel's first words to her? And it says that the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And then when Mary gives birth, and now God's on the scene in human flesh, right? Jesus is here. The, uh, Matthew, the gospel writer, says all this took place to fulfill the prophecy that says what? A virgin will conceive, a baby's going to come, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us, right? I, can't, I don't think you can overmake the case that the God of the Bible is the with you God. Throughout history and throughout the scriptures, this God promises his presence. He promises to be with us. He promises to show up even in those places where we least expect him. I mean, again, one more verse just to throw it out there, but Jesus' final words to his disciples is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew. Do you remember what they are? The final things he says, he says, and I will be with you always until the end of the age. He is the with you God, and he's here with me, and he's here with you even now, and even in those places and at those times when we think he won't show up, right? When we're running away, or maybe when we're embarrassed, or when we're feeling hurt, or when we've hurt others, even there God is with us. That's the first message I think this morning's text wants to teach, that God is with you, that God will show up in his life, and he will remind you of something. He'll do something to get your attention, to set you on a new path, or to remind you of his love for you. I mean, King David put it this way in the Psalms. He said, where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, so the place of the dead, hey, you're there too. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell to the uttermost parts of the sea, right? So if I go as far away as you can imagine, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall guide me. And if I say, surely the darkness shall come over me. So, oh, this is too dark. God can't show up here. I'm in the light about me. It's going to be night. No, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day. Darkness is as light with you. It's basically like, God, if it's so dark, you're going to show up and you're going to bring light. Wherever I go, you are with me. God is with you. You cannot hide from him or outrun him. There's no place you could flee that he doesn't know or that he didn't make. God is with you. So that's the first lesson today. With you, with you, with you. If you're a Christian, if you follow this God of the Bible, you follow the with you God. So that's the first lesson. And here's the second so even though God is with us, even though this is the testimony of Scripture, that God is with you, with you, with you, even though God is with us, it is all too easy for us to be unaware of God's presence. So first lesson, God is with you. Second lesson, it's all too easy for us to be unaware of God's presence. Though God is with us, it's often difficult for us to see. We can miss him altogether if we're not careful. And that's been true in my life, and that's Jacob's story here. Indeed, we see it in the text. Jacob falls asleep on the rock. God shows up to him in a dream. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And Jacob was afraid and said, Man, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This no-name truck stop that I just thought I was grabbing a rock to sleep on. Holy cow, God is here. And he was here before I got here. And he was waiting for me when I arrived. And he's present when I showed up. But I did not know it. And I would have missed it. I couldn't recognize it at first. And isn't that how it goes? 
Life just flies by, doesn't it? There's so much we don't see, and often it's the things that are most important that we miss. For those of us who claim to have a relationship with God, for those of us who would say we've put our trust in this with you, God, for those of us who have uh, said, I I follow Jesus, I'm, I'm on the Jesus team, isn't it true that we so often find ourselves unaware of God's presence in our lives, uh, unaffected by God's nearness? I mean, and the reasons are many. You know, we're too busy. There's too much going on in our lives. There's too little going on in our lives, right? We, we don't notice anything or anyone else but ourselves. Uh, our pain keeps us from recognizing God, or our comfort keeps us from recognizing God. Uh, our great wealth says we don't need God. Our lack of things, the things we want, says, oh, God isn't providing for me. I mean, it can go any which direction. The fact is true. It is not easy to notice God's presence. And it is not our default way of interacting with the world to be attentive and aware of how God is work. It's not easy. And so I'd like to suggest that we have to be vigilant in cultivating ways to become more attentive to the fact that God is with us and around us and right there waiting. We need to get better at naming and celebrating God's presence. I mean, it is so easy for us to forget that God is with us. It's what we all do naturally, so we need to work on our ability to recognize God's presence with increasing frequency and with greater clarity. Now, to be honest, I do not claim to be an expert um, in this matter, but I'm gonna pass along two simple lessons, two things I've learned uh, that I think could be helpful in cultivating a better awareness of or attentiveness to God's presence. So two two simple lessons, they're really, really simple. The first is this, uh, if you wanna see God, you have to look for him. If you wanna see God, uh, you have to look for him. Look for him, he's there. Uh, He's closer than you think. He said he's going to be with you, but it's kind of like the old adage says, uh, you you look for, or you you really do find what you're looking for. You really do find what you're looking for. I was thinking about this this week, and I was reminded of a game I used to play when I was a kid. Uh, So I would ride to school with my cousin, Cora. We were in the car together. This is like third grade or something. Her dad would take us, and we played a game that we called School Bus. And school bus is a really easy game. Essentially, as you're riding to school in the morning, if you see a school bus and you're the first to shout school bus, uh, you get some points. And you could also get points for ambulance. Uh, you get points for fire truck, right? But so there's all these things. But if you see it, if you're the first to notice it, and if you're the first to say it, uh, you get some points. This was a game we played all the time. You know, the, the best part, and I didn't share this, but uh, you'd see there was a big like group collection thing of school buses. I think it was their parking lot where they all come out. And so then it was just like, school bus, school bus, school You know, how many times can you say it uh, as they all come out? But anyway, so you fight for the points. But what happened in that game is this. Because we were looking for school buses, and looking for ambulances, and looking for fire trucks, looking for anything else that might get us points. We were so, so, so attentive to the vehicles that were around us on the road. I mean, we're like scanning the horizon. We're trying to see what's up there. It's just like, you know, is that a school bus 100 yards in the distance? You know what I mean? Like you're trying to get all the points. And I think a similar principle is at play in our spiritual lives as well. When we're looking for God's presence, When that becomes a habit in our lives, when we take regular time to pause and think, hey, how has God shown up today? Or man, how is God here right now? Or what is God doing in this moment? When it just becomes something on our list of things to do, and again, I know we've got many things to do, but when it becomes something that we're thinking about and something we're looking for, we're going to start seeing it more often. We're going to start recognizing that our with you God is with you. 
So that's the first thing. If you want to see God, you've got to, you've got to look for him, right? You've got to work on that attentiveness piece. That's maybe the first thing I've learned. But the second is when you see God, when you see him, uh, you've got to talk about it. You've got to talk about it. Specifically, I think you need to talk about it with folks you know. It's a valuable, valuable thing to celebrate God's presence with someone else. Now, why is this, Tyler? Well, I think the very act of speaking about ways that we've noticed God being present or at work in our lives, it does two things. The first is when we're telling that story of a way we've seen God show up, uh, it encourages us. You know, people love to tell stories of things they've seen, and it's like, man, in me sharing this with a friend that I know, and me saying this to someone else, I'm being actually more encouraged. I was already encouraged when it happened, but now that I'm sharing it again, I'm becoming encouraged, and it blesses the friend to whom you share the story with, right? They get to hear the story. They get to celebrate with you. There's a moment that it kind of literally builds joy between the two of you as you're sharing this story together. It's like, I'm so excited that I noticed God in this place. And they're like, I'm so happy for you. And I'm telling you, the joy level will build. And what that will do is cement this new habit of being attentive to how God's showing up. It's going to say, I like being on the lookout for how God's going to show up, because then I get to talk about it. Then we celebrate joyfully together. I mean, it's a huge, huge, huge game changer. Does that make sense? I mean, I love the idea of sharing stories. This is something that's been a critical part of Christian community for centuries, sharing stories and having that celebrated with someone else. In fact, it's a rich tradition in Christian faith communities, a spiritual practice that has shaped Jesus's people for a long, long time. I mean, in the church that I grew up in, we called it uh, sharing testimonies. And the word testimony was just kind of like the word testimony you'd use in a courtroom, right? This is someone's witness account of what they've seen God do in their lives, a way that they've seen God show up or be present in a place where maybe they did not expect it. You see, Christian communities have encouraged their participants to share stories with one another because in the sharing of stories and the receiving of stories, we find encouragement, other folks are encouraged, and God is glorified. And it reminds us that God's presence in our lives is not something that a pastor just talks about on a Sunday, right? Something that someone who's, you know, like paid to be good and be nice says from a stage. It's something that people sitting by us in rows are also experiencing. And so this morning, while Gabe is gone, right, and we can play around a bit more. I'm just joking. Gabe's on vacation. I'm walking his dog, and he loved this idea. He's sad to miss it. But we're going to do something brand new. We're going to take some time to just see if anyone has a story to share, maybe a few stories. I'd love to do kind of like a few quick stories from folks here of a time that God surprised you with his presence. So I wrote this question on the screen, like, when has God surprised you with his presence? And I'd love for you to think about that in your own life. You know, think about ups and downs. Think about things you've experienced. But when has God surprised you with his presence? And if it's hard for you to think of something, that's fine, right? We never want to make people say things here. I mean, this is a place where we love folks to bring just their whole selves. Come celebrate. We're all in this together. But I just had a hunch knowing our church family, that there were probably some stories, better than my own stories, I got some stories, but it's like there's some good stories here of ways that God has shown up. And I thought, what better thing to do than to kind of practice this in community and hear stories from our own community of ways that God has surprised people by being present, maybe in a moment when they weren't expecting it. And you also need to know this, in eighth grade, I was voted most likely to host a talk show. So this has been like just a dream of mine anyway. That is true, me and Kylie Allen at Maple Creek Middle School. But anyway, um, 
Yeah, neither, we're both still waiting for our show. Uh, but anyway, so I would love to hear, and again, there's no pressure, um, there's no coaxing, we're just along for the ride, this is an experiment together, uh, but I'd love to know, is there a time God's surprised you with his presence, right, think about that, and is anyone feeling brave enough to even share something like that this morning? Any, any words there, stories there? Yeah, Dan. This has recently happened. My brother was uh, diagnosed with leukemia in March, and my younger sister and I are his power of attorney or power uh, for medical care, and we were going up to see him. And just when we got there, his body was crashing like crazy. And um, I was, we were going out running errands trying to take care of things, and I just felt overwhelmed. I live here in Kansas City. My brother lives in the Chicago area and my little sister lives in Tulsa. So we were needing to take care of him. And his wife has lots of disabilities herself. And so there was just lots of care needing to be given. Yeah. I was overwhelmed by all of this, uh, the quickness of it all and everything. And so we were running some errands and I was just praying. My little sister is not a believer. And so I was just praying to myself because I was just so overwhelmed with how in the world any of this is going to take place. And <laughs> A phone call came to my little sister's phone, and it was the guys, one of the guys from my brother's church, and called and said, "Hey, uh, we're here. Your brother and sister-in-law are our family. We're going to help you take care of them." Okay. And I just started bawling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there was no way that I could have imagined anything like that happen. And it's t it's true. My goodness, the, that church has just been the absolute huge hands and feet of Christ. And my little sister and my older sister, uh, who don't, neither of them know Christ, have seen the work of God mm. in my brother and sister-in-law's yeah. life, better testimony than I could have oh, ever yeah. shared. So oh, anyway. yeah. Oh, I absolutely love that. I mean, for many counts, specifically, though, the thing that encourages me from that is thank you for the reminder that God is at work in all kinds of other churches all the time. You know, we get to see what's happening in our little corner of the world, and it's great. And I love what God does through Christ's community, but there are other great churches out there. Um, I mean, I absolutely love that. Seriously, thank you so much. Any other, other stories? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. first come here. This is our first time. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, excuse me. My name is Randy. This is my wife, Angel. We were brought here by one of the guys from Hope Faith. Now, this young lady has miscarried once before of twins. She is a little bit over a month pregnant. She's showing really bad, and we're saying she may possibly have a set of twins. Oh, man. And we have been blessed to bring her by the you kind people who have welcomed us in here, and I would like to thank you. I'm just proud that my wife is here by my side with you guys. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you're here, too. And I know, tell me if this is awkward or too much for you, but would you mind if we prayed for even your pregnancy right now, and then we'll hear some other stories? Is that all right? Yes. Okay. And Lord, uh... It is devastating, God. I just know miscarriage. Uh, it is a heavy, heavy thing to hear. And so my first uh, prayer, Lord, is just a prayer of your comfort still. I imagine there's even lasting hurt from that. God, we do pray uh, your comfort and your care in this moment for our new friends that have come today. But we also, God, ask for uh, your blessing and presence in this new pregnancy. And we just pray for safety and for care and for needs being met and that you would be um, present. We know you're present and with us, but present in this uh, particular pregnancy, God, bringing health to mom and health to babies and just great support all around. And so uh, we're asking you for this, um, knowing that you're good and trusting you for it, God. It's in your powerful name we pray together. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. I am so glad you came today. Thanks so much for sharing that. I love that. 
I love that. Any other stories? Oh, yeah, here, Judy. So good morning, I'm Judy. Um, three or four, five years ago maybe, I had suffered a really devastating job loss that was, I had a lot of resentment toward one man in particular that I felt had treated me unfairly, yeah. caused it. It was eating me alive. I couldn't sleep. Um, I, it, it, I mean, I can't tell you how devastated I was. And I, was, I went to visit my dad because I just needed to get away. And I'm driving down a rural um, road in Ohio. And at a stop sign, I just cried out, God help me. Hmm. And immediately, before the light turned green, I, the answer, he gave me the answer was, you need to start praying for this man, mm. which mm. was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> I had no desire to pray for this man, but I knew it was directly from God, and I started to do it and literally was healed mm. within hours. I mean, maybe even less than Gosh. that. So I'll probably have to pray for him today because I'm remembering it <laughs> sure, now. Sure, that's how it works. So, yeah, yeah, of course. I'll have to do it today. But yeah. really just, I've never had such a direct, like, Judy, you need mm. to do this. Mm. And be Judy, I love that. Thank you so much. I love that one. I know I saw more hands over here on this side of the room. Were there other, or was I just seeing things? Okay, Phyllis, coming. Um, it was either maybe four six months ago, um, my granddaughter was going home and I always pray, you know, for my grandchildren and when they're out, that God protect them. And she was in an accident. And if you would see the car, you know, she, she shouldn't have been alive. Mm. But she told us later that uh, just before the accident, she said there was a light that came in her car and held her. Mm. And mm. she said she knew it was God and um, God was there, yep. and she saw him, you know, and yep. she said it was just a light that came and hugged her, and it, it was like cushioned her mm. from, you know, just the car was just totaled. The front of it was just pushed in. She just should have been hurt, but she just came out with just some little minor injuries, so that was a blessing there. Isn't that it? Yeah. yeah. That sometimes in those dark, dark times where it's like, yeah. man, there's a tragedy here. And it's like, no, God showed up right there yes. in a little protection. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Anyway. Yeah. Let's... Hi, I'm Leslie. Um, when I was in high school, I was diagnosed with lupus and fibromyalgia and rheumatoid arthritis and got put on gobs and gobs and gobs of medicines and tried them. And I don't know if anybody else suffers from chronic illness, but you know that you hear, hey, have you tried this? Hey, I read this on the internet. You should try this, you should do this. And you kind of get to the point where you go, yeah. And <laughs> really, yeah, thanks for great, your Great, I'm on it. Yeah. And walk away from that. And I, a few months ago, was back in my home state of Montana and at a secular event of no matter here. Sure. And, um, I got introduced to people here and there, and God stopped me. I was introduced to somebody, turned around, walked away, and my whole body was just electrified. And I could just hear God saying, go back and talk to her. Mm. Mm. Thought, okay, what am I supposed to say? I just met you, yeah, but, like, and it's I lovely. went back <laughs> and I just said, um, I'm supposed to talk to you about something. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, I'm the secretary here. And I said, okay. And I said, I, I feel like you have something you have to share with me. And she said, well, I share this. I, I sell this product she was talking about. And I said, oh, okay. Right. And, <laughs> and, and I yeah. wanted to back up. And I didn't, and I just said, can I talk to you afterwards? I just felt this pull. And so we met for coffee afterwards, and she said, why did you do this? And I said, God told me to. Mm -hmm. And she started crying and said, I've been waiting for someone to tell me God is real. Oh, man. And so I got to talk to her about Jesus, and she got to talk to me about this product that has changed my life. I'm down to one medication. And Bless, yeah, you and can clap for that. I feel it starting over there. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. That's all I've been thinking about during this entire sermon is, oh, yeah, he showed up yeah. right there. And, so and you I'm, said just a random conference or just an event. Yeah, You're just like, just, who thought God um, would be? Yes, oh, I love nothing. that. And so uh, it changed both of our lives right there. So oh, gosh, definitely thanks. showed up. Thank you so much, Leslie. That's an awesome one. Any others? Yeah, Allison. Um, okay, I'm Allison, and uh, most of you have seen me crash and burn over the last year or two, and um, especially if you follow me on Facebook, I do it, I do it publicly, and, um, and so I mean it really culminated. I, I felt like there were many times I was trying to reach out to people, and they were not, um, they were not reaching back to me, and um, and there's lots of times when you want God to be there and there's just dead silence. Sure. So if any of you have experienced that, that's, yeah, that's there's great. nothing surprising about that. You'll find out 40 years later. You know, oh, okay, I get that now. Um, but uh, so when I finally, you know, crashed, um, there were like five different individuals that just out of the blue um, started reaching out to me. Mm. And... Mm. Um, and including you, you know, oh. so you were God's surprise oh. to me. <laughs> As you frequently are. And, um, and so somebody from, from a past church or somebody from the Leewood Church or the Brookside Church or somebody I had known 15 years ago and hadn't seen in, you know, in, in 15 years. And these people all just... <clears throat> played such a big role in, in pulling me together. And I think sometimes it's, it's miraculous. It's a miraculous thing with God, and I've experienced that too, you know, running into, into people that feel like they have something to say to me. And I think sometimes I've been their surprise. But um, this, is what, this is one of those things is, you know, uh, this couple asked me out to dinner, and they're very... They're very involved in uh, in uh, suicide prevention, yeah. And just you know the comfort I felt being with them, and then someone else gave me their phone phone number, and uh, you know if things get really bad at night, I can call them. I can go mm. sleep on their couch, and somebody said, you know, come see us. We'll we'll buy you a plane ticket. Yes. You know, and just had um, a weekend full of uh, relaxation and affirmation and. And then others that have that have come into my life offering something, and and um, I I believe that that sometimes when we see God, it's it's uh, miraculous, and other 
but other times God uses, most times I think God uses individuals Come on. to, um, uh, to, he hints to individuals that, why don't you call Allison, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I, you know, I, uh, there's lots of places in the Bible where it says God will whatever. And what it means is that God will provide somebody to do this for you. Yeah. You know, and God will take care of you. God will provide your needs. Almost always it's, it's through somebody else. Yeah. It's, it's not through, um, although this happens, it's not, it's not through, you know, a, a miracle, a magic thing. It's, you know, it's, it's something that God speaks to other people and, and prompts them to call me and to have an impact in my life. And so, you know, over the last few years, or a few weeks, I mean, five different, different people from different walks of life that I know from different places have all reached out to me. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it helped me kind of rethink what was going on in my life and, and why I was so frustrated. And, and just the ability, just that some people have the ability to sit down and talk to you and help you rethink these things has just been a real blessing to me and just as completely uh, changed my life because of God and because other people are obedient to God. I love that. And well, I think it, that's, yep. a, that's a big thing is when God tells you to reach out to somebody, do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. These people were obedient to what God was hinting at. And, um, and, and so I never know how to end when I'm talking. So yeah. that's all. I love, it. I love it. Well, and it makes me think you even saying that. So, you know, we talked about God said he'd be with Moses. And in some ways, very miraculous moments with Moses. In other ways, Aaron was a huge help, right? And other people. So that's a great point, Allison, that it's, uh, it's certainly God showing up in incredible ways and God showing up through faithful people, faithful friends. Um, absolutely love that. Is there one more? Are we all... Okay, oh, Margaret, sure. We'll end over here. Love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So God has been talking to me about enemies, and I immediate, my first response was, well, I don't have any enemies. And then I looked up enemy, and the root word of it is bad friend. And I realized there's a lot of people I don't take the time to get to know because they might be a bad friend. And I particularly have been challenged to that in my workplace. I have a list of people I realize I'm slowly kind of pushing over I may have pushed over to the, well, I'm not going to talk to them because I'm probably not going to be a good friend. So um, recently I was in a I'm on a committee with a new project and realized that one of those committee members I'd been pushing over to the, uh, yeah. let's just call it what it is, my enemy list. Yeah, yeah. And so I was convicted by that and said, God, show me how I can treat him like I treat Tyler, I treat, you know, my husband to give him the courtesy and respect, even though I'm really frustrated with him because he's not, you know, doing blah, blah, blah. And so I prayed that prayer, and then I got a call from him. He said he wanted to talk to me. And so I thought, well, I can do this. I'll just go in. I'll listen. And he called me in his office to apologize, to say that he hadn't been the best team player. Come on. I was so slayed by God. What if I, my heart hadn't been prepared yeah. for that? Yeah, yeah. So... It is wild how he'll show up when you least expect him. It totally is. It totally is. It totally is. And friends, this, I mean, not in the script, but this is true. 
I know people, there's all kinds of stuff that folks find difficult about workplaces, and certainly in pastor world, there's a lot of talk at pastor conferences, and it drives me nuts about here's the hard part about being a pastor. And certainly, there's hard parts to all our roles, all our responsibilities, but I think the greatest gift to my job and the reason I love showing up to work and something that I think we experienced together today is I get to hear so many stories of how God is at work in people's life. And it is the most sustaining thing to me vocationally. And it keeps, I mean, all the other times that folks are just wanting to complain in this, it's like, yeah, but don't you hear all the stories of God from the people in your community? It's like, that's the best part. Uh, and that you just, it's like, I have to show up because I'm a pastor, right? So I have to show up to these coffees in here, but it's like, I get to, I get to hear all these stories. And this is what I mean about this intentiveness piece with our with you God that I do believe God is with us. I believe he's always at work in ways sometimes we can see, or I love, forget who said it, maybe it was you, Allison, too, but like sometimes we see it way later, might be 40 years later, sometimes we see it right away, but God is with us. And growing our attentiveness to see it more, being on the lookout for it, but also sharing it with others, it is so encouraging, and it makes all the difference in faith. You know, final thing, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up here, but there's so much that happens in Jacob's life. We're going to keep studying Jacob, then we're going to study Joseph, and I promise one day we'll finish our study of Genesis. Uh, four months already, right? Let's keep going. But, but when, fast forwarding, when Jacob is on his deathbed, okay, when Jacob's life is winding down, uh, when Jacob is, you know, in that kind of end of life moment where he's collecting all the lessons he's learned from life, and he's getting ready to share that with his children, Um, What I love from this is what Jacob says in his final moments to his son Joseph. He says this. He says, behold, I am about to die. But notice this. But God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. And the reason I love that so much is it seems to me as if the lesson that Jacob learned from his whole life with God was a lesson of God's presence. And the Jacob who was on the run after he had deceived his brother, and then God had to show up in a dream and say, I'm with you. Years, years later, he's telling his own son, hey, I've learned a lot in this life, and I am about to die, and I've got just a few breaths left, so I'm going to share my final things. And what's my final bit of advice to you, Joseph? It's that God will be with you. I mean, that is the lesson of Jacob's life, and I believe it's the lesson God wanted to teach us through his word this morning and through the stories of others in this community. And so may that truth sink deep into our hearts and minds this morning. And may we have eyes to see the ways in which our with you God is with us this week and in all the weeks to come. All right, so that's what I'm going to pray for, um, and then we'll come to the Lord's table. Lord, you are with us. And we are grateful for it. You are the God who shows up in moments when we least expect it. And you do big things, Lord, and you work in small ways and you surprise us with your presence. And when we think you're done with us or you don't notice us, something happens and we remember that you are there and that you've always been there and will be there. And so, Lord, may you grow our attentiveness to your nearness to us. And may you help us become better celebrators when we finally witness it in all clicks of the way that you are, you are with us, God. May you cultivate in us the discipline of being attentive to you and recognizing your work because it will make all the difference in our lives of faith with you, God. And so we're asking for your help there. Show us your presence with us even this week, Lord. It's in your powerful name we pray. Amen.